Hi, I'm Paul Cuddehy and welcome to the Duran Duran Albums Podcast. And I'm Molly Williams. Join us as we take you on a musical journey of 40 years, 14 albums, countless great songs, and lots of great Duran Duran memories. From the band's self-titled debut album in 1981, through to the Paper Gods release in 2015, and, fingers crossed, a new album in 2021, the Duran Duran Albums podcast celebrates each of the studio albums while telling the story of the band. We chat through each album track by track, pick some of our favourite songs and memories from when the album was first released, and ask podcast listeners to give us their thoughts on each record. And we'll also have interviews with other Duran Duran fans throughout the course of this series, as well as extra episodes on everything from non-album songs, favourite gigs and the band's various side projects. So while you might want to save a prayer till the morning after, listen to the podcast now. Subscribe, spread the word, and celebrate 40 years of great music on the Duran Duran Albums Podcast. Excellent. Hiya, Paul. How's it going? Very good. Very good. Another few days have gone. Another few days closer to future past. Have you got a countdown clock going on on your laptop yet for it? It's all in my head and in my heart. Oh, bless. (laughs) Well, it's funny because, um, you know, after the last podcast or or during the podcast last time, I think I had said to you, oh, surely they're going to try to keep the momentum going. Mm -hmm for the new album and they'll, they'll surely release something else. And lo and behold, I think it was the next day or the day after they announced that they were releasing um, Tonight United. So I think we must have been, what's the word? We had a premonition, perhaps. <laughs> yes, it was. It was bizarre, actually, the way that happened. What do you think of the, the new song? Well, I'm not so sure about this one, to be perfectly honest. So I had seen the um, recordings from the gigs because I think they played it a couple of times, didn't they? Yeah. At the, the, the Birmingham gigs and then um, the Isle of Wight Festival. And I thought it sounded okay. But then when I've listened to the track, what I've done is, again, I've kind of gone back and listened to all of the, the releases from the new album. And mm, I kind of have to think it's, it's more one of a filler type. And I don't think it really compares to the other three, to be perfectly honest. How about you? Well, I was kind of similar to you. I've just listened to the four of them on rotation. So I'm still, more joy still out there for me. And and I think the other two, Anniversary and Invisible, are both really strong. I would say that was the, Tonight United is definitely the fourth of the four tracks. The first time I'd heard it, and I thought it did sound as if they were talking about Giorgio Moroder being the producer on that one. And that's it's definitely his influence. When I listened to it, the, the, the kind of undercurrent beat on it reminded me of, I'm sure it was Abba's Voulez-Vous. Just to that kind of that bass beat. It's okay. Again, I found it quite strange. Some of the, obviously some people absolutely loved it, but some of the, the kind of negativity from Duran Duran fans, there was somebody who, who ran a, a Duran Duran Twitter feed who announced on Twitter that he was closing it down. He was so, because he refused to promote what he thought was a rubbish song. And I thought, I'm not really sure if you're a fan, if that's your attitude. Because you can't like every single song as, as we've shown already in the podcast. I think the, th- the other three songs have been stronger than... Tonight United, it's fine and it's kind of listenable, but it's, I don't think it's going to be one of the memorable tracks off Future Past. We've talked about in the past as well in this whole run-up is are they putting these these songs out just to kind of test the waters before they actually, I wonder if they have finalised the track listing yet for it, but they, they must have done because have, hasn't there been some, uh, some pre-release copies floating yeah. about there? I think there has been. The other thing I think is that I think the clue to the, the kind of how the album's going to sound and feel is in the title. So I think Future Past, they've kind of signposted the fact that, so for example, Anniversary is very much immersed in the past and it's almost a tribute to themselves. And there's lots of hints in the way that they've been over the years and they've taken their own, some of their own sounds and meshed that into something. Invisible, you can, there's certainly a Duran Duran vibe, but it's more up to date. More joy is completely in the present or going, going into the future. So I think it will be a kind of amalgamation of, past, present and future. But I think that's why they've done that. They're acknowledging where they've come from, but also where they're going. Well, I guess we'll have to wait how many more days now for the re- well, release of the album? We are, we are recording this on the 6th of October, so 16 days. 16 days and counting, and we'll see where where it lands in the in the track listing and 
who knows, maybe there'll be some other um, mixes to it because we know that Duran Duran love their, their various mixes. So yeah, watch this space. So we move on to the, the album of the hour, so to speak, Medazzaland. Yeah, so this was their ninth album release done in 1997. And I, in my research efforts, I was like, what the hell does Medazzaland even mean? I was just like, surely this, this must be a made up name, a made up word. So I'd actually Googled Medazzaland. And the first thing that came up was Medazolam, which is a sedative that they use before surgery or before dental procedures that take place. And I had actually put down a coincidence. And then it was only through the further research that I did that I actually found out that this is all kind of off the back of a, a trip that Simon went on after he had a dental procedure. So I'm so proud of my research abilities here. <laughs> First and foremost, yeah, pat on my own back here. But yeah, I think uh, for me, at least, it felt like I knew nothing about Medazzaland because I think, you know, we'd spoken at the end of the last podcast that Thank You was such a shit show <laughs> that they basically got dropped by, uh, by their record label and they didn't even uh, release the album in the UK until just March this year. And uh, it was released over in North America. Latin America and Japan. So yeah, Medazzaland has been a bit of a, a funky one. So it was the first time I'd known anything about this album. I'd heard Electric Barbarella, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been a, a great journey listening to this one and learning all about it. It actually, in terms of listening to it, it actually it made me dislike the Thank You album even more because, <laughs> as you mentioned, as a result of the flop that Thank You was, then. Medazzaland never received a proper, in fact, a UK release. And so MD, so I had a CD of it, but you had to get it, order it in. And, you know, having listened to it and listened to it loads of times. And again, I've mentioned this before, of one of the kind of joys of doing this podcast is it reacquaints you with a lot of their back catalogue of either songs off albums that you, you, hadn't, you don't, didn't remember, or in this case, maybe albums that you hadn't listened to as much or as deeply. So I've been listening to it a lot over the last few weeks. And as I say, Having listened to it, I'm thinking, obviously, that should have been the album that they brought out after the wedding album of their own songs. I don't even think it's an underrated album. I just think it's an unknown album. I think a lot of people just aren't familiar with it. And it's such a, for me, it's such a waste because this is really pushing to get into my top five, Medazzaland. I think it's a superb album, actually. And I definitely agree with you on that one. I think my theory is that, you know, they stormed the music scene in the, in the 80s. They basically owned the music scene back then. Then they hit the 90s and they really floundered and they, they couldn't really find their own identity. And I think they had to go through all of the, the issues and the troubles to get to a point of wedding album. It was very up and down. I think it, we probably got to about 50-50 as to how, how well we rated it. Then they had Thank You. And I think they really just had to hit that rock bottom to kind of have a serious look at themselves and go, right, do we really want to be a band? Um, because at this point, um, John Taylor actually left the band, I think, part of the way through the recording of it. And they just had to go, this is a crossroads. Do we continue on? If we do, we need to really get our act together properly. And I think with Medazzaland, it feels like the most cohesive and really well put together album that they hadn't done since you know the 80s yeah i mean i think i agree with you i think it was the best album they did since big thing and i say i think it's just a shame that it never it probably still doesn't get the the recognition that it deserves from certainly even from fans a lot of fans because it was part of those i suppose the world on the shears that until they kind of almost reformed and returned with astronaut and then there was a th a renewed interest in them and a kind of reawakening, but Medazzaland and, and Pop Trash kind of fell by the wayside. And I think when you listen to Medazzaland, for me anyway, I just think it certainly makes a great case for being in my top five Duran mm. Duran albums. Yeah, well, I, I've not put together my top five just yet. I'm still wanting to get through the rest of the albums, but uh, I have really genuinely enjoyed this album and I think it will become part of my, my standard rotation just because, yeah, apart from maybe a track or two that I'm 
a little bit on the fence about all the others I, I really do enjoy. So saying all that, shall we uh, see what our Twitter followers are thinking about the, the album as well? Absolutely. Shall I kick it off then? We've got um, Alex Lauterstein from New York who said, this album is so underrated, brilliant in my opinion, experimental like Duran Duran never did, and it works. Medazzaland, the opener, is so out there and brilliant like nothing Duran Duran did, up there with Duran Duran's best albums and no fillers. And the other thing I quite like about it is that I agree with him. I think, I think there's no fillers in it. There's no instrumentals, which effectively are fillers. And that always pleases me. And, you know, it's probably one of the few albums up to this point for Duran Duran that didn't have an, an instrumental. So they see, they got their shit together for this one. Finally. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and it makes it, it makes for a better album, I think, as well. Another comment we've got here is from The Crow. It's at Giuseppe Crow who says, an album that suffers from the abandonment of John during its making, although there are several beautiful songs like Electric Barbarella and Be My Icon. And that is interesting, you'd mentioned that I think John Taylor appears and eventually I think it's in about four of the tracks, but obviously there was a lot going on you know, outside of, of music for him, which I think that's why he walked away in the end. Yeah, and I think um, maybe that's one of the, the things that, that makes this album so good is I think it feels like, on one level, quite a melancholy album. And I think John Leaving really had a massive impact on Simon and Nick as they, as they were writing the songs for the album. So maybe that's what the, the unifier is, even though that he left, he still had such a, a big influence on the band at that point in time. So the next one we have is from Tara C. Taylor in Berlin. Overall, I really liked Medazzaland. My favorite tracks are Electric Barbarella, out of My Mind, Midnight Sun, and Medazzaland. The title track is three minutes and 52 seconds of art. Do you know what I really like about that comment is, I'm going to read the next comment, and we've said this before about how you and I can listen to the same song and have different views on it. And obviously, I saw it particularly when we did the wedding album, and uh, we were quite scathing of uh, Sin of the City, and quite a lot of people absolutely loved that song and couldn't believe that we didn't like it. So Andy from Seville in Spain, and she says... I probably need to listen more, but it's just not an album I can get my teeth into. The opening track puts me off for a start, uh, which is where she is in the opposite from, from Tara Taylor. And she says, I love I love Out of My Mind. I can take or leave most other tracks. And then says, this album makes me feel like a bad Durani, which of course, Andy, you're not. Absolutely not. I think that's one of the things that I've absolutely admired over the course of doing this podcast is that Duran Duran fans are super duper fans, but they're also, they can be critical and they call spades spades really. So, you know, I don't think anybody should call themselves a bad Durani if they ha happen to, to not like something. And then we have something short and sweet from Gary J. Carroll, a masterpiece from beginning to end. That is short and sweet and to the point. That's fair enough. I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Here's a longer piece uh, from <laughs> Portland uh, Simmons, who also says it's a masterpiece but then goes on to say, so well produced, great drums and Warren's wizardry at full tilt. His favourite songs, Be My Icon, Big Bang Generation, So Long Suicide, Midnight Sun, etc. As in, there are no bad tracks, it's that good. And again, he goes on to say, it's highly underrated and strangely unknown to many on the heels of the wedding album. And I think that's, as I said, that's why the Thank You album annoys me, because I think it put a lot of people off. His frustration, he says... It's a tragedy and it's an extreme case of management falling down in the job. He also said it was the same scenario as with the Liberty album, underpromoted and largely unknown gems in their catalogue. I think that is the frustration for people who really like Medazzaland is, you know, as, as Colton said there, it's not underrated, it's more, it is unknown. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, it, it is such a shame because even, you know, I'd mentioned the fact that the digital release came out in March this year pass me by. I definitely didn't know about it. And, and we were doing this podcast at that point as well, weren't we? And um, yeah, I didn't even realize. And I can definitely say that I didn't see any promotion for it. So again, it seems to be a missed opportunity, even in this day and age. I did see something that I'm not sure who it was. There was talk of, of it getting a vinyl release at some point this year. I'm not sure if that will happen now with the new album coming out, but again, I think there would be a, an appetite for that from, from certainly from some fans. On to the next one, we've got one of the a tweet from Portugal, from Fabri. Love the album, great songs. 
again, I'm loving this, you know, there's no point in going on and on about it. When you love it, you love it. Yeah, and the other comment we've got here is one from the Twitter handle, is a pop fan's dream based in Ireland, uh, which again is great. We've had comments from Spain, Germany, Portugal, Ireland, the States. We are being heard all over the Duran world. And a pop fan's dream said, a fine album. The CD cost me an eye-watering £24.99 pence in Tower Records Dublin at the time, but I'm sure worth every penny. And I hope they still have that, that CD as well in their collection. Hope it hasn't fallen by the wayside somewhere. The next one is one of our regular contributors, I think, C.K. Shortell, who's, who's based in Connecticut. One of my favorite Duran Duran albums, Midnight Sun, Big Bang Generation, Be My Icon, Out of My Mind, just basically the whole track list are his other favorites. Um, John Taylor co-wrote several of his tracks before leaving. Definitely hear it on a song like Big Bang Generation and title track. Big Bang Generation, the first We're Getting Older stroke anthemic tracks. I can tell you that, that CK Shortell, his name's Chris. We'll be hearing from him in a future podcast because he was kind enough to send us in his top three Duran Duran songs, which are great. So uh, in one of the future podcasts, we'll be hearing more from him. The next comment that we have on Medazaland, and that comes from Strider Tag, married without children, brackets yet. Uh, I have no idea where they're from. Who says it's a very underrated album. And strangely, except for Electric Barbarella, I'm out of my mind singles, not much distributed. It was even out of the streaming apps, uh, which obviously was until recently. It could only be, quote, streamed through YouTube. And obviously the album wasn't distributed at all in the UK, which is one of the reasons why there's a lack of familiarity with it. Yeah, definitely. And then to round our tweets off, we've got our friend Velvet Rebel Music. He's saying a bit like Bowie's Berlin period, obviously not on that level in terms of experimentation. Very interesting album. And I think the humor of Electric Barbarella, both the song and the video, were really lost on audiences. Love the artwork. And yeah, I am, over the course of listening to this album, I have watched that, that video a few times. And I can't say that I would necessarily put a feminist label on myself, but, you know, being a woman, I was a little bit cringy about the whole concept, but ultimately when you just go and watch the video, see how much fun it looks like they were having and just what a fun song it is, then, um, yeah, I like the video too. Can I just read one final comment that only came in today, just shortly before we, we started recording? Uh, it's from Fabiana Torres, who obviously was featured on the previous podcast. My favourite person who lives in Argentina, Fabiana is, and that's not only because she's the only person in Argentina I know. But she, I was going to ask for your top five list, please. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she is just lovely. And Fabiana says, in my opinion, Mandazaland is such an underrated album. It's one of my favourite Duran Duran albums. So many gems in there. The opening track itself with Nick's storytelling, love him, but that's not singing, was such an innovative thing for them to do. Out of my mind is just fantastic. She goes on to mention also the Simon's words and Michael, you've got a lot to answer for, are also heartbreaking. It was as if he knew what was going to happen. She also says the, the top thing for me of all the creative process in the album is the absolute power of Warren's guitars. I'm just unbelievable. The B-side of one of the songs called Sinner or Saint is one of our favourite Duran Duran songs ever. And how was that not in the album? And Fabiana goes on to say, I could go on forever. Yes, you can say, I love Madazaland, which she writes in capital letters. So... Fabiana is a fan of Medazaland. Excellent. Well, you know, I think it would appear from the, the Twitter comments really that it's not a case of people not liking it. It's just that they haven't had enough exposure to it, really. You know, it does definitely mark um, an experimental turning point for the band. And it seems for people who do know the album that the fans, we've all come along for the ride and really enjoyed it. So shall we crack on then with the uh, with the track by track analysis, deep and in depth that we like to do here on this podcast? Let's go for it. So the first track is obviously the uh, the title track, Medazzaland, and um, yeah, this is quite the departure. We have no vocals from Simon, and it's done by our keyboardist Nick Rhodes. I think this is interesting. That I think it was Andy from Seville. She said that. The, the title track was off-putting. I think it's a grower because it's very strange when you first hear it because it's so unexpected because it's Nick who, and he's kind of speaking almost rather than singing. It's a very strange song, but it's such a grower. 
I find this, that song absolutely almost hypnotic. Now, I absolutely love it. It actually reminded me, there was wee bits of it. I'm not sure necessarily the exact musical, the kind of melody, but just the kind of the feel of it. The, I don't know if you know the Beatles song, Tomorrow Never Knows, which is one of my favourite Beatles songs. I think it's on the Revolver album. And there was just a feel of that song and kind of feedback and a kind of slightly strange sort of mess up of the music within Midazaland. And I think you should stick with the album anyway, even if you don't initially like the title track. But I, I think it's certainly a grower. And the more you hear it, I think the more you just grow to love it. I absolutely agree with that one um, because I think the first time I listened to it, I was just like, oh man, is this going to be like the, the state of things to come for the rest of the album? Because, you know, like you have said, you know, a number of times in previous podcasts, it's kind of the, the first track sets the tone of the album. And, you know, you, you can either have a sense of dread of what's to come, or you can be like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. The first listen to, to this one, I was just like, really? Spoken word. I hate that. I've not enjoyed it from the Duran Duran clan at all. And then I didn't even realize it was Nick until I started to do the research. So I had to listen really, really hard. I'm like, oh yeah, that is Nick's voice. And and just listening to it that closely, I am a big fan of it now as well. Interestingly, you know, you're saying, and, and I agree, normally I'm very much the title track, but I think particularly in this album, I think the second track was so important because the first track is kind of experimental. It's a wee bit different, different vocalist, different feel to, it's very much, you almost feel as if Nick just did that song on his own and there was no need for any other involvement. So I think that's why the, the Big Bang Generation, which is the second song, was so important to be a really good song to follow up. I suppose it's a more traditional song, more traditional Duran Duran song. And then that maybe kind of reassure people when they start to listen to it. My first comment, because I always like to do my first impressions, note down what, what my first thoughts are. And I put, like this one, sounds like a whacked out bazaar in Morocco kind of thing. And just the, I don't know what the instrument is that they use. I'm sure it was probably synthesized keyboards or something like that, but it just had a really great start, I think. And then as I, as I listened to it a little bit more, the wavy guitar sound what I also like to do with tracks is to associate them with, with other songs I've heard. And that wave of guitar sound reminded very much of the Smiths track, How Soon Is Now. And I wish I could, I don't know any musical speak at all, so I can't even say what, what the, the term was, but, but it was just that, that guitar ebbing and flowing sounded very much like a Smiths track. That's an interesting comparison. I mean, I love the Smiths. I love How Soon Is Now, because I've always argued just in general terms of music, you know, I think it's important. I've got Catholic with a small C taste in music. So I think it's I think it's possible to like what would seem at first glance extremes. So back in the day, I think people who would have liked the Smiths would have been horrified if you liked Duran Duran and said, well, how is that possible? I think it is because good music's good music. And the House Soon is now is an absolute classic. It's a brilliant song. And they're one of my favourite bands as well, the Smiths. So it's an interesting comparison. And I had to sit there and think and think and think and try to get the, the, the lyrics from, from that Smith song because I knew it sounded like a Smith track, but I just couldn't remember which one it was. So as soon as I got like a little snippet of lyrics, I had to go into, into uh, to Google to find the song. And I was like, as soon as I got there, I was like, yes, this is absolutely the one. But then saying that, you know, I do like to make those associations and, and, little bits and snippets that remind me of other songs. But apart from this, that's one of the great things that I love about this whole album. It is so original. I didn't have that comparison to make on any of the other tracks. And, you know, that's just awesome. I always say that I don't think there are any original songs, tunes, thoughts out there. They're all just like slightly mixed up of what's been done before. But this, I genuinely think it is, is such an original album. Because it's funny, like, even given the fact it followed an album of covers where they, you know, they were obviously, well, partly paying homage to their, supposedly their influences, but then half the time, as we mentioned before, they were kind of being a kind of wedding band playing straight covers. And I don't know whether the fact they didn't have a, a UK record deal, maybe that freed them up and just they just thought, right, well, let's get back to doing what we know we can do, which is just write good songs and we'll do our own thing. And maybe that the pressure was off and, and that just kind of reminded them actually regardless of whether it was commercially successful, that actually there was still a band that could do innovative things, but also could just write good songs. 
I genuinely think, I mean, I saw an interview with Simon and Nick, and I think they were asked to describe the album. And Nick said, it's just chaos, pure chaos. And I think from that, they knew that they had nothing left to lose. They'd already been dropped from their label. So why not? And just really allow, it almost felt like Nick has always been kind of the experimental one in the band. And finally it was like, well, no holds barred, go for it, see what happens. And, you know, this is the, the payoff that they get, that they've been able to be their, their genuine musical selves. There was mention that Simon had writer's block at the time. And that's the reason why Warren and Nick had stepped in to do a fair amount of songwriting on this album. So again, you know, maybe it was just allowing different voices to just really bring things around to Duran Duran. So the next one up was the single Electric Barbarella. And its claim to fame was allegedly that it was the first release musically of a solely digital download. Bit of a mouthful there. And I was quite surprised by that because, I mean, this is 1997. That seems quite late on for the digital downloads to have come about. I would have thought that it would have been earlier on in the 90s, but there you go. Who knows? I mean, I, it's, I, I can't remember that far back. I, I, love, <laughs> I love this song. I think it's a brilliant pop song. It's a brilliant song. I've heard them playing it live as well, which is great. I love the fact that there's that kind of link to, obviously, Barbarella, which was the film out of which they got their name. I love that kind of acknowledgement to their, their own past. What well, was amazing for me, it was like their 29th single, which you're like, that's that's amazing. But they never released it over in, in the UK. But I just think it's a brilliant, brilliant pop song. I agree. I, it, it is just one of those that, as I was listening to it, each time it came around, my feet just automatically start tapping. And we've said that in the past about Duran Duran, that they like to dance themselves. And I think this is definitely one that, that get people up on the dance floor. Definitely a good one. Okay, the next track then is um, track number four, Out of My Mind. What did you think? Well, do you know, it's funny because when I listened to this and one of the first the things, one of the first things I wrote down was it, it felt very cinematic to me. I don't know if at first it kind of felt almost like, you know, again, another kind of James Bond type theme. And it was only Martin Jeeves who did the, his top three in the last podcast. And he had mentioned that song had been the soundtrack of the film The Saint, which I hadn't realised at the time. Probably seen the film, I didn't realise. And then it, it made sense to me, the, the fact that it did have that, just the, the way it starts with the kind of almost jangly guitar. I could see it was going to be a kind of spy thriller feel to it. And again, I think it's a, I think it's a brilliant song. I mean, it's hard to say. It's, there's so many highlights in this album for me, but even before I knew what film it was involved, it just had that, just had that feel to it. Yeah. And when I was listening to it, I'm going to be like totally contradictory to what I just said a few minutes ago about not associating it with any other songs. But I felt like it was almost like like a precursor to the Astronaut album. I went back and had to listen to Astronaut again, trying to pick out which song it was that triggered that thought for me. And I couldn't nail one down, but I don't know. Maybe again, it was just like, you know, the evolution of, of the band. It just seemed to be like kind of the starting point that then eventually did lead us to, uh, to Astronaut. I'm not sure. But one of the little interesting tidbits about this song was it was the final track in the trilogy of songs that Simon had written as a memorial to, to his friend. can't remember what, the, what his friend's name was, but um, this is kind of typical of Simon's storytelling, I think, that the way that he, he writes songs and that sort of thing. So on to track number five, Who Do You Think You Are? And I have to say, I think this is maybe one of my favorite songs on this uh, album. I think uh, it made quite a, a statement. And I think I saw one review of, of the song. And again, that word anthemic came up for it. And, and I think it's, you know, it's just a great track. And then I had also seen an interview with Simon and he was asked what the song was about. And Simon had said it's about his relationship with Warren. So then that made me want to listen to the words a little bit closer. And uh, I wonder if maybe it was a bit of a, a fractious relationship that they had between Simon and Warren. I don't know. How much longer was, was Warren in the band then from there? He would have been in the band up until the original five reunited. So whatever, was that around about 2000, 2002? Yeah. They'd have been in for another three or four years. Because it made me think of 
like it was another Beatles song actually the start of it you know the, the song A Day in the Life and I don't you know that there might be Beatles fans that again kind of similar to what we were saying earlier on about Smith's fans horrified to like Duran Duran there might be Beatles fans that think how can you compare Duran Duran song to the Beatles but again it still had that the way it started slowly it's had that feel to it that was the song that I immediately thought of it gave me that kind of similar feeling because funny I, I'd read somewhere else and again I don't know whether I don't know where I'd read this that they'd written it about it was one of because they'd written a few songs about John leaving the band because I've said to you before I don't really I've checked the lyrics to one of the songs on this one but most of the times I don't really I never watched the videos for example and I don't really I'm not really paying attention to the lyrics as such sorry Simon if you're listening <laughs> I have to say you know I will rarely listen that closely to lyrics but there was just something about this album and I don't know if it was because of the interviews that I saw or, or what it was, but it did make me look a little bit deeper at the lyrics on here. You know, maybe it was the fact that knowing Simon wasn't the, the, the main contributor to the lyrics on this one, but also the ones that Simon did contribute, I think are very personal. And I think back what I said earlier, that it felt a little bit of a melancholy album to me, but even though it's kind of sad lyrics for some of them, and subject matters, it's still a really, well, I, I didn't feel sad, navel gazery at all, listening to the album. You know, I felt quite uplifted and just that it was such a great album. So then to round off this first half of the album, we have Silva Halo. I don't know why they had to put it Silva Halo. Anyway, this started out life as a poem that Nick had written and Simon had, had read it and really liked the words, so had encouraged them to record it and, and include it on the album. My first comment for this one was, belongs on a stalker movie soundtrack. Well, I actually think I had written a soundtrack, brackets, sci-fi, feel to it. So some sort <laughs> of, it may have been like something like Alien or something. So sci-fi <laughs> horror, it, was de- it definitely has that feel to it. I love this song. It's one of my favourites on the, the album. I love the... The whole feel of it, I think they're just, again, kind of similar to what I was saying about Medazzaland, I find it quite hypnotic, actually, when I'm listening to it. Yeah, definitely. And I wonder, again, if, if it's the influence of Nick on it. And, you know, this is, again, the second time that we have said we've related it to cinematic or movie-led. So maybe that's kind of the, the rippling undercurrent. I was trying to imagine watching a film or watching some sort of TV where it's just the music without the lyrics and then you could actually either the start or the finish of the, the film play the song with the lyrics and I think that just even the music would work on a soundtrack but then actually I like the way it's sung that particular song I like the vocals on it it's quite kind of sparse and I just think there's something about it I think it really for me it really hits the mark I thought you were almost going to say there that you would have liked it as an instrumental no <laughs> <laughs> you're just taking that too far now Always got to push it, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, that completes the first half of the album. What we'll do now is we'll hit to your daughter's story of Duran Duran, and we're on part 11. Take it away, Rebecca. The Story of Duran Duran, Part 11 After the disappointment of the Thank You Covers album, Duran Duran returned with an album of their own material, with the release of their ninth studio album, Medazzaland, in October 1997. However, the repercussions from the Thank You album meant that the new album was not released in the UK and was only released in North America, Latin America and Japan. Midway through the recording sessions for Medazzaland, bassist and founding member of Duran Duran, John Taylor, left the band due to personal reasons, a seismic event that Simon Le Bon reflected on in a number of songs in the album. The three remaining members of the band, Nick Rhodes, Simon Le Bon and Warren Cucurullo, wrote and recorded several new tracks for the album and re-recorded songs previously done with John Taylor. His work remains on only four songs. The first single, Electric Barbarella, was a nod to the 1960s Barbarella film from which the band took their name, while the song Out of My Mind features on the soundtrack of the Val Kilmer film, The Saint. Medazzaland only reached number 58 on the US Billboard 200 chart 
and its poor commercial performance led in part to the dissolution of the band's contract with EMI after almost two decades. And even though Midazaland was available in Europe as an import or digital download, it was only in 2021 when it was officially released in the UK on various digital platforms. You do know that this is Rebecca's highlight of the week now is recording her Duran Duran uh, story. Uh, she hasn't told me that yet, but I can just tell. I can just, it's a father's intuition. I can just tell. Sure, sure, sure. But uh, you'll really know that she's she's enjoying it if she, if she actually admits to listening back to it. Has she listened to it, the podcast yet? She doesn't like listening back to herself. She'll, she'll record it and then she'll listen to it just to make sure she's not stumbled over anything. And then she'll send me it. And I've said to her, have you listened to any of the podcast? And she said she doesn't like really listening back to herself. I said, you should, because it sounds really good. And within the context of the, the podcast, it sounds great. But listen, as long as she's recording them for us, then that's the main thing. And thank you so much, Rebecca, for doing this, even if your dad is putting you under duress. <laughs> <laughs> now to the second half of the album, to track number seven, Be My Icon. What are your thoughts on this one? Again, I, I find it really hard, actually, which is one of the reasons why this is, really going to push for my top five and so I think somebody said it in the comments there's no fillers on this album at all again if you were taking it just as a side A or side B I think it starts really strong I really like this song and then I, I think from there it's strong track after strong track after strong track and you know it's interesting we kind of with Liberty and Wedding album we were kind of up and down it was kind of hit or miss thank you sunk without a trace but I think the, they've come back really strongly which is why Again, this would have been the perfect follow-up, even if they had to wait a bit longer to wed an album, because the fans or the people who loved that album or liked the songs and were wanting to see what more they could do, I think they'd have been pleasantly surprised by this, as opposed to just ignoring it. But I, I do really like that being my icon as a really strong start to what would be the second side of the album. I totally agree. I think this has to be my favourite track on the whole album. I think this song is just fantastic. This was just one of those songs that... From the first listening, I just loved it. It's just something about it. And then doing the research for it just made me love it even more <laughs> because Simon had made the comment that the song is about obsession. And I was just like, yes, absolutely. So this is one of them that I actually dug through the lyrics. And there's um, one of the lines is, you're more than wallpaper in my room. I write you letters and bring you gifts. Now, that is what Duran Duran was all about to me in my teenage years. I had the life-size poster of Roger Taylor on my ceiling over my bed. And there was not a single centimeter of bare wall on my side of, of the bedroom. I shared with my younger sister. My side was completely covered in Duran Duran posters, articles, album sleeves, everything. So yeah, that, that line, I was just like, oh my God, maybe Simon knew about me <laughs> and actually wrote a song for me. <laughs> well, just as well, Roger didn't know about you. You would have, you would have had a restraining order, I think. <laughs> it may still be out on me. Who knows? <laughs> no, the, the thing that I stumbled upon, there's a Duran Duran fandom site where they basically they give you a wee bit of info on every track, which is quite good. So whether this is true or not, the thing that I had seen was that it was originally called Butt Naked. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, the song. And it was meant to have been John Taylor who was going to be doing the vocals on it before he left. It would have been interesting if, if he had taken over the vocals in one of them. I did not even know that little tidbit. I've learned something new tonight. But that's interesting, but naked. I don't think it would have worked as a song title, to be honest. I, I think it maybe would have done a disservice to the song. I think it is an awesome song. Do you know what I think it is? Some, you know, like sometimes, I think maybe when the band had first demoed it, and maybe before the lyrics were all formalised, it would have just been whether butt naked, would have just, it would have just hit the rhythm or the melody or the, the vocals until they actually worked out the proper vocals. Because I'm sure they would have thought, they would have just thought that would have been a bad idea to call us on that. And I can only imagine that they probably would have had a fan somewhere who would have done some sort of weird thing and flashed them, <laughs> pulled down their own pants, something like that. I don't know. I was watching an interview with, Warren, Nick, and Simon with RuPaul, and uh, they were talking about their craziest fans. And Simon told the story of he'd walked into his room 
opened up his wardrobe and a fan jumped out, had a look around and goes, oh, I thought this was John Taylor's room. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that really damaged his ego. Anyways, moving on, uh, we've got the next track is Buried in the Sand. So I had read that this was one of the songs that was about John leaving the band. And I think maybe it was probably more the maybe Simon's disappointment that John felt he, he needed to leave and that, that he was maybe, I don't know, maybe he did question whether it was the right thing for John to do. But ultimately, you do what you got to do. But um, what my favorite bit about this track was, it, again, it had that Middle Eastern, is it like a, some sort of horn? I think, you know, the, the, the way that it was warped and that sort of thing, I, I thought it just added a really cool vibe to the song. Again, it's another one of my favourites. I love that feel to it. I think right away, it's just a wee bit different. And again, it just reminded me, again, not of a specific Beatles song, but it just there was an experimental feel to the whole album of just bringing in different influences and sounds that obviously at a certain point the Beatles did and they were influenced by a lot of Eastern music and Eastern instruments, which they incorporated. You know, I mentioned already, I don't know whether the freedom of not being under pressure so much from the record company allowed them to then be a bit more experimental. But as a result, I think it works better because I think it enhances the songs because they're they're not thinking, right, well, this song be, will it be a top five single. They're just, they're just thinking, well, this is how the song's going to sound and until they're happy with it. I think it benefits it and I, I, I really like that song. Yeah, and, you know, um, back in Big Bang Generation, you know, I'd said it sounded like a Middle Eastern bazaar. And again, it's just tying it through continuously throughout the, the whole album. And that's, you know, one of the, the contributors, I think, for it to, to just be a really continuous, consistent piece of music all the way across. You know, we've said this before, so many of the, the previous albums were just so up and down and quite erratic. This one is just all the way across. There's the theme running through it. It seems to be a complete story. And it just all adds to the reasons why this is such a fantastic album. However, we come to track number nine. Marco, you've got a lot to answer for. I have to say, this is probably my least favorite song on the track, on the album. I know it's got like a lovely backstory to it that that Simon had written it for his friend, Michael Hutchins, who then about a month after it had been released, tragically passed away. So I understand, you know, it would have had a lot of meaning and personal emotion involved in it, but I just, yeah, I just can't get into it. How about you? Well, do you know what's funny? I think I said at the start of the wedding album with too much information. I like when Duran Duran do acoustic songs and I don't think they do enough of them. So I think for me, this is a great acoustic song. So I really like it. I think it's a beautiful song, actually. And I think the album does, it has got a few different, you know, say the likes of Medazzaland and Silver Halo are very electronic, very experimental. There's other songs that are kind of more traditional pop songs. Some of them quite paired back, quite simple songs. I think even though that there's not one set sort of sound throughout the album. I think it all really works because I think the songs individually are really strong. I think they kind of showcase different aspects of the band depending on the song. So I, I, I do, it's the sort of song you can imagine just Simon and Warren just sitting down, the two of them, and just doing that song, acoustic guitar, him singing. So I, I, I actually really like it. I wonder if they've ever played it live. That'd be quite an interesting one. Well, apparently they did, it must have been a tour in North America, I'm guessing, or maybe in Japan, or the, the areas where the album was released. They were touring to support the album, but they stopped playing that song after Michael Hutchins died because apparently it was too upsetting for Simon to sing that song, understandably so. That must have been a real joke for him because if he's writing a song about his, his friendship with him and then within a month of the album coming out, you know, Michael Hutchins dies... Obviously, they'd be shocking anyway, the fact that he was friends with him and his friend dies, but the fact that he'd written this song for him and about him. So I think it was, I think it became too upsetting. Although I think they've subsequently played it later as a tribute to Michael Hutchins, but obviously maybe just, I suppose, once Simon came to terms of, with the loss, et cetera. Isn't it interesting, though, over time how, you know, the, the earlier Duran Duran albums, it was always very much... Yeah, I don't know what the hell Simon's writing about in, in his lyrics, but they, they sound good and it's like, you know, just putting words together to make him sound pretty. And now he's come to this point where, you know, he is really putting his feelings and his emotions into songs. And, and they are very blatantly sad, really hard emotional things to, to write about. And, and maybe, you know, through the course of having his writer's block, something just freed up and just, it all had to come out. 
Under track number 10 is Midnight Sun. Again, this is a word that I've used a few times now to describe the album, but I really liked the melancholy guitar sound on this one. I just thought it was, you know, a nice way to proceed with the song. I think Duran Duran at their best write some really brilliant classic slow songs. So things like Save a Prayer, for example, I think all are on that line. And I think Midnight Sun fits into to that bracket of when I heard that, I just think that's it is classic Duran Duran. And I think when they do it well, they, they produce really memorable songs. Yeah, and I think that's one of the, the unique things about Duran Duran because they are really good at doing these slow songs. And when they do acoustics, it's really good. But then also they are pretty damn good with the rockier guitar-driven Andy Taylor, Warren Cucurello type songs that they can manage both. And sometimes within the same album, you know, I think that's pretty damn good going. I kind of swither as to whether I like Warren's style sometimes, but I think that he's done a pretty damn fine job on this album. And the fact that he he had to pick up the, the bass as well, I think, uh, after John left. So yeah, apparently um, on Midnight Sun, Simon didn't particularly like the mix that was on the album, but I thought it was a, a great mix. And then he'd also, when somebody had asked what the song was about, Simon had said it was it was about someone special was all that he would say. And I did wonder again if if it was about John Taylor again, because we know that there were a few songs on the album. Under track number 11, So Long Suicide, it was about Kurt Cobain's suicide. I really didn't have a whole lot to say about this track. I thought it was good and it, it, it fits in quite nicely. Again, it's a very personal story for Simon to tell. I don't think it's, it's necessarily a filler, but it, it wasn't one that, that made me go, oh yeah, that's an absolutely awesome song. Yeah, I wondered, because I, I couldn't remember when Kurt Cobain had died. So it was 94, so that's like three years before the album came out. So I don't know if it's maybe something that he'd written at the time and then it was lyrics he came back to, to record. I mean, by that point, so you're on to track 11. By that point, I'm already thinking this is a great album. So I would have even been, even if the last couple of tracks hadn't been quite up to the standard, I'd have been okay because I'd enjoyed it up to now. But again, I think, don't think they let up. I think they, they managed to maintain, to keep a really, a really strong standard. And again, I think it's a, it's an album song, but I think it's a really strong song as well. Quite memorable as well. The kind of chorus of it kind of sticks with you. I have to be honest that, that it, as I say, somebody else said there was no fillers. There's very little negativity for me in this album. I have to say, yeah, when I'm saying it, it, it's like not one of my favorites. That's like being really, really nitpicky. So, you know, again, like we've said before, the previous couple of albums were so up and so down, all in the space of, you know, 45, 50 minutes or whatever. And this one, it is just so, the bar is consistently high. So when I'm, when I'm saying it's not one of the best, it is just like a teeny tiny little dip. So, it, you know, just a small ripple. So hardly a criticism at all. I do agree. It's, it's just been a fantastic, clean sailing album all around. And then we get to uh, the final track of the official track listing, Undergoing Treatment. I quite like this one because I think this is one of them where Duran Duran do their, their favorite thing of just basically two fingers up to the media and to all their, their critics and that sort of thing that, yeah, basically maybe we have had some, some lean times and put out some rubbish, but uh, we're back and they're going, yeah, we refuse to, to fade away into nothingness. Because this, this was the song that I actually checked the lyrics on. And as I say, I don't normally bother. And what was interesting to me is that they mentioned Q magazine in it. They talk about worse reviews and disappearing like dinosaurs, the sound of small applause, resigned to the mid-price section. Obviously, you know, we mentioned in the last podcast that I think Q magazine, they utterly slaughtered Thank You, calling it the worst album of all time. Obviously, those reviews, even if the band are maybe acknowledging, maybe they hadn't acknowledged by that point that it was commercial suicide to have released Thank You and a really bad decision. The reviews rankled with them. But also, I think maybe it was a year or two ago, there was quite a lot of, there was two or three documentaries about the band and it was kind of retrospective on their career. And certainly likes of John and Nick, you know, they started the band, they were really into their music. NME was the kind of the music newspaper of choice for everyone and anyone. And NME always hated Duran Duran. And I think even though they've had a brilliant career and they've got that longevity and they're beyond that, 
I think there's still a wee part of them that's always been irritated that somebody some at some point decided that they're not an NME band and forevermore they were castigated or, or ignored, which isn't objective journalism, but I suppose that's the way the music press always works on musical prejudices and snobberies and elitism and cliques, etc. Totally. And and I think there have been other other songs in uh, the Duran Duran discography that they've was it the wedding album, the, the song where they kind of bite in the hand that fed them, they they were dissing MTV. Too much and, information, yeah. Yeah, and maybe not quite as successful as I think undergoing treatment was because I don't know, maybe they felt that they were they, they knew this was a, a great album and they could genuinely, you know, really feel confident that they could put the two fingers up to the music press and just go shove this up your jumper and 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 uh, take this because we are proper musicians. So I think, you know, they probably came from a, a fairly confident and strong position with this song and it didn't sound too whiny. The other thing as well, I've, as I said, I've said to you before that, you know, the first song is important to me. I always think the last song as well. And they close off with a really good song to the point where you get to the end. And as I say, because I've listened to it a lot in recent weeks, like a lot of the albums, much more than I've maybe done in the past, and you become acquainted with it really for the first time. And so you get to the end and you think, kind of like as it, uh, Fabiana said in capital letters, I love my Dazzleland. I have to agree with you and Fabiana. It just, yeah, I had no concept of what it would be like because I think you had said after the last podcast, it'll be interesting to see what, what I thought of it because I had never listened to it before. And I wasn't sure if that was going to be like a, I was pretty sure that you liked it, but I wasn't 100% sure. So I wasn't sure if it was going to be something that was so far out there and way too experimental. And I was just going to go, oh, this is rubbish. Or if it was going to be something that I really, really liked. And I'm very pleased to say that, that, yeah, this is, it's an awesome album. I think it shows that they can be experimental, but be very successful with it. And it's just such a, consistently great album that I wish there was some way that we could just kind of promote it a little bit more so that more people were aware of it. I think I'm hoping certainly with the imminent release of Future Past, so obviously that's going to please all the Duran Duran fans, but then I I hope then it may be a way of people then going back and and listening through to some of the back catalogue and the fact that all these, an album like Medazzaland is now available on the, the streaming services, I think will help. And I'm sure people will be surprised when they go back and listen to it. If people are, you know, they haven't really listened to it, as we said at the start, the title track, you have to stick with it. It's definitely a grower, but don't let that immediately put you off because it's just a wee bit unusual. Because I think once you start listening through the album, that's what I hope people do, that they kind of they start to realise how great it is. I'm almost at the point, it's funny, like, as we've been going along, I've been kind of trying to take a note of where the albums are sitting in my my top 15, obviously number 15 is always going to be thank you. That's that's a given. I've, I'm almost at the point, and it might slightly change, but I've, I've almost got like four out of the five, of which this I have to say this is one of them. It was slightly surprising because it, you know, because I hadn't really been listening to it much in recent years. So to, to listen to it again, and then you think, ah, that was actually quite good. So you listen to it again, you go, oh, it was actually really good. And then by the time you just keep listening to it, you're going, this is a stronger collection of songs in one album as as Duran Duran have put out. Yeah, definitely. I um I think I have a couple of entries for my top five, but I really do want to hold off till we get all the way through the whole back catalog because I know that there are a couple of albums coming up that I sort of know bits and pieces of, but um yeah, there could be some some other masterpieces and top fivers included in on there. So I'm reserving judgment at this point in time. We shall see. So speaking of our top lists of Duran Duran. What we have coming up now is uh, Stefan from, from France and his top three, a nice little short and sweet piece for us. Stefan, in the south of France, a fan of uh, Duran Duran since 1981, since uh, I heard Nightboat to the Old Grey Whistle Test. Uh, I have chosen the 
those three songs because do you believe in shame means a lot to me. I've lost some friends and uh, when I heard first uh, this one, uh, whoa, uh, it makes me cry. Uh, the Man Who Stole a Leopard is a very sophisticated song and it touched me a lot. And uh, the third one, Invisible, the new one, uh, shocked me, uh, but in positive way. And I listened to it several times a day. So, uh, oh, I don't know what to say. Uh, sorry for my English, for my accent. Uh, I do what I do, what I can. <clears throat> I love you all and uh, thanks a lot and see you soon. I mentioned I was on Twitter and uh, Stefan was uh, one of the people who kindly got in touch with us to send us his top three. I'd mentioned CK Shortill, Chris. He's also got in touch with us, uh, another Duran Duran fan from France. And then there's another couple of people that are going to do it. But if MDs wants to, to give us their top three, just kind of similar to Stefan's, uh, you can email us at durandurand at paulcuddehy.com or get in touch with us via Twitter. It's albums Duran. And it's really, it's as simple as saying who you are, how you get into the band, and then give us your top three and a, and a wee explanation of why each of those songs are the ones you've chosen. Any and all submissions are welcome. Yeah, and again, it's usually this part of the podcast that I always say thank you so much for contributing. I think it really has become such a, a very cool part of this podcast, hearing from from everybody who's listening to these, you know, the feedback. Thank you so much for blowing sunshine up our... <laughs> sides perhaps but um but yeah you know it, it's just everybody who's listening has has made such a fantastic contribution to this so please 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 do keep them coming and it never ceases to amaze me of a morning i'll go into twitter and i'll see my twitter handle popping up randomly on people's comments and i'm like oh how did i get involved <laughs> in this one and it's just it's just been it's been awesome so thank you and keep it coming and do you know the thing that always amazes me with the top three and you know everybody knows it's it's an impossibility because it's just the top three at that particular time how many songs have Duran Duran written how many great songs I always keep thinking every time I listen to someone else's top three I always think back to when we did it and we were both kind of presumptuous and well whenever people choose their top three obviously Save Our Prayer is going to be one of the top three and actually very few if any people have chosen Save Our Prayer so I think it's really interesting but it goes to what we've always said that you know, everybody hears songs differently, but also sometimes a song has a different resonance or poignancy for people. And that's why it's a favourite, which is, as you said, it's one of the great things about doing this podcast that people are sending these things in and it's brilliant that they're sharing it. And I love listening to them. And I'm learning about so many other songs that, that I might not necessarily have, have listened to or, or, or paid attention to just on, on other people's recommendations. So, yes, it's been a great education these podcasts. Fantastic. So that wraps up Medazzaland. I think we kind of liked it. I think we did. Yes, I think we definitely did. What I was going to say to people is, so obviously the next album in the, which would be album number 10 is Pop Trash. But I think from when people are listening to Medazzaland episode, then October the 22nd is right around the corner for the release of Future Past. And I think what we, we decided what we're going to do, we're going to end up having two episodes on future past one where we kind of very quickly give our initial reaction to the album and then we'll wait till the dust is settled and we've got through all the other albums and we've had a chance to listen to a wee bit more just out of interest to see whether our initial thoughts on it are the same as and we've had a chance to, to listen to it in, in more depth which I'm, I'm interested from my own point of view as well is to see what you think as well of the album and obviously we'll be asking people what their thoughts are on it absolutely and you know what what Medazzaland has just proven, I think, for both of us, the initial reactions have been really, really positive, where some of the Duran Duran albums in the past have been growers, not showers. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what, what Future Past is going to do for us, if it's going to be an automatic wham, you know, right between the eyes, right in the middle of the years kind of thing, or, or if it will be one that, that we'll need to have repeated listens to. I think, you know, of the, the four tracks that have been put out there already so far, you know, three out of four feel like pretty strong songs. So hopefully that's a, a taste of, of things to come for it all. 
Yeah, and I think it's just, I think it's exciting that they are putting out new music so you can actually sit and listen to something that you've just never heard before, um, like every other fan. That is, say, I'm interested to see what the two of us think of it, but then also uh, what people people's reactions are to the album as a whole, to individual tracks. So that, that'll be our next episode. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking, obviously looking forward to the new album coming out and the chat we'll have on that. It's going to be good times ahead. Thanks for joining us on the Duran Duran Albums Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you can subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us, that will help other Duranis to find us. And of course, if you can spread the word about the podcast, all the better. You can also let us know what you think of the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Albums Duran or email us at durandurand at paulcudahy.com. Join us next time on the podcast, and in the meantime... Keep listening to Duran Duran like some new romantic looking for the TV sound.